Chapter 14 of Legacy by James H. Schmitz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Legacy, Chapter 14. They were out on a terrace near the top of an illusion mountainside in a beautiful evening. Dinner had been old style and delicious, served by its creators, two slim, brown skinned, red lipped girls who looked much too young to have acquired such skills. They were natives of Trenest, Lyad said proudly, and two of the finest food technicians in the hub. They were, at all events, the two finest food technicians Trigger had run into as yet. The brandy which followed the dinner seemed to represent no letdown to the connoisseurs around Trigger. She went at it cautiously, though she had swallowed a couple of wake-up capsules just before they walked into the Ermitine suite. The capsules took effect in the middle of the first course. And what she woke up to was a disconcerting awareness of being the center of much careful attention. The boys were all giving her plus Belden the eye intensively. Even Lyad's giant-sized butler, or major-domo, or whatever she called him, named Virad, ogled coldly out of the background. Trigger gave them the eye back one after the other in turn, and that stopped it. Lyad, beautifully wearing something which would have passed muster at the U-League's annual presidential dinner in Sacy, looked amused. It wasn't till the end of the second course that Trigger began to feel at ease again. After that she forgot, more or less, about the Belden. The talk remained light during dinner. When they switched off the illusion background for a look at the goings-on during the Garth stopover, she took the occasion to study her companions in more detail. There were three men at the table, Lyad and herself. Quillen sat opposite her. Belchick Pluley's unseemly person, in a black silk robe which left his plump arms bare from the elbows down, was on Quillen's right. The third man fascinated her. It was as if some strange cold creature had walked up out of a polar sea to come on board their ship. It wasn't so much his appearance, though the green tip of a vethy sponge lying coiled lightly about his neck probably had something to do with the impression. Trigger knew about vethy sponges and their addicts, though she hadn't seen either before. It wasn't so serious an addiction, except perhaps in the fact that it was rarely given up again. The sponges soothed jangled nerves, stabilized unstable emotions. Balmorden didn't look like a man who needed one. He was big, not as tall as Quillen, but probably heavier, with strong features, a boldly jutting nose, bleak, pale eyes. He was about fifty, and wore a richly ornamented blue shirt and trousers. The shirt hung loose perhaps to conceal the flattened contours of his odd companion's body. Lyad had introduced him as a de Vega scientist, and in a manner which indicated he was a man of considerable importance. That meant he was almost certainly a member of the de Vega's hierarchy, which in itself would have made him very interesting. Trigger had run into some of the oddball missionaries the de Vegas kept sending about the hub. and. She'd sometimes speculated curiously regarding the leaders of that chronically angry, unpredictable nation, which, on its twenty-eight restricted worlds, formed more than six percent of the population of the hub. The De Vegas seemed to like nobody, 
and certainly nobody liked them. Belmorden didn't fit her picture of a De Vegas leader too badly. His manner and talk were easy-going and agreeable. But his particular brand of ogle, when she first became aware of it, had been disquieting. Rather like a biologist planning the details of an interesting vivisection. Of course, he was a biologist. But Trigger kept wondering why Lyad had invited him to dinner. She was positive, for one thing, that Belchick Pluley wasn't at all happy about Balmordan's presence. Dinner was over before the Garth take-off, and they switched themselves back to the mountainside and took other chairs. A red-haired, green-eyed, tanned, sinuous young woman named Flam appeared from time to time to renew brandy-glasses and pass iced fruits around. She gave Trigger coolly speculative looks now and then. Then Virage showed up again with a flat tray of what turned out to be a very special brand of tobacco. Trigger declined. The men made connoisseur-type sounds of high appreciation, and everybody, including Lyad, lit up small pipes of a very special brand of coral and puffed away happily. Quillen looked up at Virad. "'Hi, big boy,' he said pleasantly. "'How's everything been with you?' Virad, in a wide-sleeved scarlet jacket and creased black trousers, bowed his shaved bullet head very slightly. "'Everything's been fine, Major Quillen,' he said. "'Thank you.' He turned and went out of the place. Trigger glanced after him. Varad awed her a little, he was really huge. Moving about among them, he had seemed like a softly padding elephant. And there was an elephant's steady deafness in the way he held out the tiny tobacco trays. The Ermitine winked at Quillen. "'Quillen wrestled Varad to a pin-down once,' she said to Trigger. "'A fifty-seven-minute round, wasn't it?' "'Thereabouts,' Quillen said. He added, Trigger doesn't know yet that I was a sports bum in my youth." "'Really?' Trigger said. He nodded. "'Come from a long line of sports bums, as a matter of fact. But I broke tradition. Went into business for myself, finally. Nowadays I'm old and soft. Eh, Belchie?' The two great pals, sitting side by side, dug elbows at each other and ha-ha-ha'd. Trigger winced. Still in the same line of business, on the side?" Lyad inquired. Quillen looked steadily at her and grinned. "'More or less,' he said. "'We might,' Lyad said thoughtfully, "'come back to that later. As for that match with Farad,' she went on to Trigger, "'it was really a terrific event. Varad was a Trenest Arena professional before I took him into my personal employ, and he's very, very rarely been beaten in any such contest." She laughed. "'And before such a large group of people, too. I'm afraid he's never quite forgiven you for that, Quillen.' "'I'll keep out of his way,' Quillen said easily. "'Did you people know,' Lyad said, "'that the trouble on the way between Macadden and Avaley was caused by a Katassin killing?' There was a touch of mischief in the question, Trigger thought. There were assorted startled responses. The Ermitine went briefly over some of the details Quillen had told. Essentially, it was the same story. And do you know, Belchick, what the creature was trying to do? It was trying to get into the rest cubicle vaults. 
Just think, it might have been sent after you." It was rather cruel. Pluly's head jerked, and he blinked rapidly at Lyad, saying nothing. He was a badly scared little man at that moment. Trigger felt a little sorry for him, but not too sorry. Belchie's ogle had been of the straightforward, loose-lipped, drooling variety. "'You're safe when you're in one of those things, Belchick,' Quillen said reassuringly. "'Wouldn't you feel a little safer there yourself, Lyad? If you say they're not even sure they've killed the creature—' "'I probably shall have a cubicle set up here,' Lyad said. "'But not as protection against a catassin. It would never get past Pilly, for one thing.' She looked at Trigger. "'Oh, I forgot. You haven't met Pilly. Varad!' she called. Varad appeared at the far end of the terrace. "'Yes, First Lady?' "'Bring in Pilly,' she told him. Varad bowed. "'Pilly is in the room, First Lady.' He glanced about, went over to a massive easy-chair a few feet away, and swung it aside. Something like a huge ball of golden fur behind it moved and sat up. It was an animal of some sort. Its head seemed turned toward the group, but whatever features it had remained hidden under the fur. Then an arm like the arm of a bear reached out, and Trigger saw a great furred hand that in shape seemed completely human clutch the chair's edge. "'He was resting,' Lyad said. "'Not sleeping. Pilly doesn't sleep. He's a perfect guardian. Come here, Pilly. Meet Trigger Argy.' Pilly swung up on his feet. It was an impressively effortless motion. There was a thick wide torso on short thick legs under the golden fur. The structure was gorilla-like. Pilla might weigh around four hundred pounds. He started silently forward and Trigger felt a tingle of alarm. But he stopped six feet away. She looked at him. "'Do I say something to Pilly?' Lyad looked pleased. No. He's a biostructure, a very intelligent one, but speech isn't included in his pattern." Trigger kept looking at the golden-furred nightmare. "'How can he see to guard you through all that hair?' "'He doesn't see,' Lyad said. "'At least not as we do. Pilly's part of one of our Trinest experiments. The original stock came from the Macadden life-banks, a small, golden-haired earth monkey. The present level of the experiment is on the fancy side. It has four hearts, for example, and what amounts to a second brain at the lower half of its spine. But it doesn't come equipped with visual organs. Pilly is one of twenty-three of the type. They have compensatory perception of a kind that is still quite mysterious. We hope to breed them past the speech barrier, so they can tell us what they do instead of seeing. All right, Pilly. Run along," she said to Belmorden. "'I believe he doesn't like that Vethy thing of yours very much.' Belmorden nodded. "'I had the same impression.' Perhaps, Trigger thought, that was why Pilly had been lurking so close to them. She watched the biostructure move off down the terrace, grotesque and huge. She had got its scent as it went past her, a fresh, rather pleasant whiff, like the smell of ripe apples. An almost amiable sort of nightmare figure Pilly was. The apple smell went with that, seemed to fit in. But nightmare was there, too. She found herself feeling rather sorry for Pilly.
In a way, Lyad said, Pilly brings to us that matter of business I mentioned this afternoon. The group's eyes shifted over to her. She smiled. We have good scientists on Trinest, she said, as Pilly, I think, demonstrates. She nodded at Belmorden. There are good scientists in the De Vegas Union, and everyone here is aware that the treaties of restriction imposed on both our governments have made it impossible for our citizens to engage seriously in plasmoid research." Trigger nodded briefly as the light amber eyes paused on her for a moment. Quillen had cautioned her not to show surprise at anything the Ermitine might say or do. If Trigger didn't know what to say herself, she was merely to look inscrutable. "'I'll scrut,' he explained. "'The others won't. I'll take over, then, and you just follow my lead. Get it?' "'Balmorden,' Lyad said. "'I understand you are going to Manon to attend the seminars and demonstrations on the plasmoid station?' "'That is true, First Lady,' said Balmorden. "'Now I,' Lyad told the company, "'shall be more honest. The information released in those seminars is of no value whatever. He,' she nodded at the Dravega scientist, "'and I are going to Manon with the same goal in mind, that is, to obtain plasmoids for our government laboratories.' Balmorden smiled amiably. Trigger asked, "'How do you intend to obtain them?' "'By offering very large sums of money, or equivalent inducements, to people who are in a position to get them for me.' said Lyad. Quillen tut-tutted disapprovingly. The First Lady's mind, he told Trigger, turns readily to illegal methods. When necessary, Lyad said undisturbed, as it is here. How about you, sir? Quillen asked Balmorden. Are we to understand that you also would be interested in the purchase of a middling plasmoid or two? I would be, naturally, Balmorden said but not at the risk of causing trouble for my government." "'Of course not,' Quillen said. He thought a moment. "'You, Belchie?' he asked. Pluley looked alarmed. "'No, no, no,' he said hastily. He blinked wildly. "'I'll stick to the shipping business. It's safer.' Quillen patted him fondly on the shoulder. "'That's one law-abiding citizen in this group,' he winked a trigger. Trigger's wondering, he told Lyad, why she and I are being told these things. Well, obviously, Lyad said, Trigger and you are in an excellent position, or will be very soon, to act as middlemen in the matter. What? Trigger began, astounded. Then, as all eyes swiveled over to her, she checked herself. Do you really think, she asked Lyad, that we'd agree to such a thing? Certainly not," said Lyad. I don't expect anyone to agree to anything tonight. Though it's a safe assumption, I'm not the only one here who has made sure this conversation is not being recorded, and will not be available for reconstruction. Well, Quillen," she smiled. How right you are, First Lady," Quillen said. He tapped a breast pocket. Scrambler and distorter, present and in action. And you, Balmorden? I must admit, Balmorden said pleasantly, that I thought it wise to take certain precautions. Very wise, said Lyad. 
her glance shifted, with some amusement in it, to Pluly. Belchick? You're a nerve-wracking woman, Lyad, Belchick said unhappily. Yes, I'm scrambling, of course. He shuddered. I can't afford to take chances, not when you're around. Of course not. And even so, said Lyad, there are still reasons why an unconsidered word might be embarrassing in this company. So no, Trigger, I'm not expecting anybody to agree to anything tonight. I'm merely mentioning that I'm interested in the purchase of plasmoids. Incidentally, I'd be very much more interested even in seeing you and Quillen enter my employ directly. Yes, Belchick? Pluley had begun giggling wildly. I was, <laughs> having the same idea, he gasped. About one of, <laughs> of em, anyway, I— He jerked and came to an abrupt stop, transfixed by Trigger's stare. Then he reached for his glass, blinking at top speed. Excuse me, he muttered. Hardly, Belchick, said Lyad. She gave Trigger a small wink. But I can assure you, Trigger R.G., that you'd find my pay in working conditions very attractive indeed." It seemed a good moment to look inscrutable. Trigger did. "'Serious about that, Lyad?' asked Quillen. The Ermitine said, "'Certainly I'm serious. Both of you could be of great value to me at present.' She looked at him a moment. Did you ever happen to tell Trigger about the manner in which you re-established the family fortune?" "'Not in any great detail,' Quillen said. "'A very good hijacker and smuggler went to waste when you signed up with the engineers,' Lyad said. "'But perhaps not entirely to waste.' "'Perhaps not,' acknowledged Quillen. He grinned. "'But I'm a modest man. One fortune's enough for me.' There was a time, you know, Lyad said, when I was rather afraid it would be necessary to have you killed. Quillen laughed. There was a time, he admitted, when I suspected you might be thinking along those lines, First Lady. Didn't lose too much, did you? I lost enough, Lyad said. She wrinkled her nose at him. But that's all over and done with. And now, no more business tonight, I promise. She turned her head a little. "'Flam!' she called. "'Yes, First Lady,' said the voice of the red-headed girl. "'Bring us Miss Argy's property, please.' Flam brought in a small package of flat disks taped together. Lyad took them. "'Sometimes,' she told Quillen, "'the ASCAB becomes a little independent. He's been spoken to. Here, you keep them for Trigger.' She tossed the package lightly over to them. Quillen put out a hand and caught it. "'Thanks,' he said. He put the package in a pocket. "'I'll call off my beagles.' "'Suit yourself as to that,' said the Ermitine. "'It won't hurt the ASCAB to stay frightened a little longer.' She checked herself. The room's comweb was signaling. Varad went over to it. A voice came through. "'The Garth Manon subspace run begins in one hour. Rest cubicles have been prepared." "'That means me,' Belchick Pluley said. He climbed hastily to his feet. "'Can't stand dives. Get hallucinations. Nasty ones.' He staggered a little then, and Trigger realized for the first time that Belchie had got pretty thoroughly drunk. 
Better give our guest a hand, Virad," Lyad called over her shoulder. "'Happy dreams, Belchick. Are you going by rest, Trigger? No? You're not, of course, Quillen. Balmorden?' The De Vegas scientist also shook his head. "'Then, by all means,' Lyad said, "'let's stay together a little while longer.'" End of chapter 14